This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, thank you for downloading part two of this week's Socially Distant Sports Bar. We split it up, the podcast, between part one and part two. So as you've downloaded part two, you need to ask yourself the key question. Did I listen to part one this week? Because best will in the world there will be some back references to part one. That's why it's part two. Can you watch The Godfather part two without watching The Godfather part one? Arguably, yes. Is The Godfather part two better than The Godfather part one? Arguably, yes. It makes a lot more sense if you watch The Godfather part one first, but I think Godfather part two is probably better. And you feel free to disagree with me. I don't. I won't engage with you on social media. Mike might, Ellis might. I definitely won't. I would listen to part one first, but... What you need to take from that Godfather example is that part two is often better than part one, okay? So every Friday, part two lands. Every Wednesday, part one lands. If you haven't listened to part one, scroll back. Scroll back and listen to part one. If you would like the podcast without those annoying adverts, okay? The bits where you get a little bit of the secret guitarist and then in comes an advert. If you don't like that part and you want to do it without adverts, there is a way. Go to patreon.com slash distantpod. Have a look at the levels there. If you pay a little fee per month, you get ad-free episodes. You also get them with extra content. So bonus content is available to you. It's about half an hour every week, I would say. Sometimes 45, sometimes more, but around about half an hour. And also, crucially, you get the episode in full, not split into part one and part two. So like Francis Ford Coppola went back and hopefully ignored Godfather Part 3, but jammed parts one and part two together and published them together. If you're so attached to Spotify that you cannot be separated from it, go to Spotify, search for the Social Distance Sports Bar Extra. There is a little fee option on there where you can pay for the bonus content, the ad-free episodes, and get it in your inbox every Tuesday. If you want to come and see us live, we've done a few live ones this year. We did the Cardiff International Arena. We did a couple uh, in London at King's Place. We're doing another London show, part of Podcast Show Live. It's on the 22nd of May. Islington Assembly Hall. Have a look at the first link that's on this episode description and that will take you directly there. If you would like to see us generally, 
We did a TV show for the guys at BT Sport that is still available for you to watch. It's called Down the Clubhouse. If you have a look again on the episode description, click on that. That will take you to there. If you have BT Sport already and you've never watched Down the Clubhouse, shame on you. <laughs> it, 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 if you enjoy this podcast, you will love that TV show. So have a look at it. Have a watch. Enjoy yourselves. And sit back now, relax, and enjoy part two of this week's episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Documentary time on the socially distanced sports bar. Uh, this week it is your choice, Alice. Yes, it's a relatively new documentary uh, on Netflix about tennis called Breakpoint. Tell me about Nick Kyrgios. Uh, <laughs> I could say a lot about Nick. He's probably the most talented tennis player from our generation. He's one of the only players in the game to have beaten a big three. Nadal, Federer and Djokovic. He's conquered them all. I think he's the most talented tennis player that I've seen in 10 years. National tennis now has a new bad boy. The so-called bad boy of tennis. Well, today he took his British behavior to a whole new level. He's not a bad guy, but he just becomes a devil when he enters the court. A once-in-a-generation talent, but after 10 years in the game, will he ever live up to his potential? So, made by uh, Netflix with the ATP, the Association of Tennis Professionals, and the WTP. Um, it's a behind-the-scenes look at uh, players and the tournaments. And tennis is quite an interesting point at the moment because you've got the big three of Federer, Nadal and Djokovic who are now yeah. you know, past it but are still winning tournaments. You've got this new generation of players who are just, <laughs> who are just waiting for the old ones to retire and then they can start winning slams. And Serena as well, that's yeah. the other one, obviously. So there's the, the big four in world tennis are all approaching the end of their career. So there's a new generation. And the first episode, which is the one we're discussing today, <sighs> concentrates on Nick Kyrgios, who is the bad boy of tennis. Now, it's quite funny because I didn't know very much about him. I only really knew him from newspaper headlines. So assumed he was yes. going to be a complete wanker. <laughs> yes. And yet I thought I fucking, he <laughs> I fucking him up this quite well. What do you think, Mike? I've not heard the word clunge at all. I think he's a first-class okay. bellend of the fucking highest magnitude. Yeah. 
But, but go on, but please okay. let me hear your version. I'll tell you why. <laughs> I can get why he is a certain way sometimes. I understand that. And that is the only sort of mitigating factor. Because I only knew about him. I've not followed his career at all. So I only knew about him from newspaper, you know, the, the sports section of the paper, him smashing rackets and having a go at mm. umpires and all that kind of stuff and doing all of the stuff that the tennis establishment hates. Because I don't think I've ever seen anyone smash as many rackets as him. I mean, it seems to happen all of the time. And also, when he smashes them, he doesn't just he doesn't just smash it against the floor once. He will destroy that racket. Uh, full Pete Townsend. It's full Pete Townsend. And now, because of the clip uh, Steph chose a couple of weeks ago, I know how hard the uh, people stringing his rackets have worked to make those rackets. <laughs> so I feel I feel extra sorry for him for for them. They're making the money. They. I think he likes. Yeah. He likes playing tennis. Mm, yeah. He's not from a traditional tennis background. And I think the crap that surrounds tennis does his head in. Mm. And also, he really likes being surrounded by his family and friends. And so he gets very lonely on the tour and really hates the tour. And he's only yeah. 28. So people are always talking about whether this is going to be his last season, whether this is going to be his last slam. Whereas you look at someone like Fedra, who's 41. So you can carry on if you want to. Even, you know, Andy Murray with all of the problems he's had with his hips and stuff is in his mid-30s. Yeah. But Kyrgios, they're constantly saying, well, this will probably be the last time he this will probably be the last time he um plays tennis. And his agent, who doesn't seem to do any negotiating on his behalf or any contractual work, just seems to be there to keep him pepped up and to talk about yeah. trouble, says that's my job. Because certainly a few years ago he was drinking too much. So I I oh, had a on it? my phone. <laughs> So I used to go and try and find out where he was and all that kind of stuff. I, I like the fact that he could not play any tennis at all for weeks and then turn up and still be good. I mm. kind of quite admired that. But still, Mike, enlighten me. Well, no, no. I mean, I think we all love a bad boy. But you, you've got to be able to... Diego Maradona was a bad boy. George Best was a bad boy. Alex Higgins was a bad boy. Like, you know, John McEnroe was a bad boy. You know, when, when you're a bad boy that is... The best, or up there with the very best. You you get away with it. You can get away with yeah. those six. When you're a bad boy, who's the 114th seed in the world, <laughs> you're just a fucking knob. Right? And, and I can deal with all the stuff. I get that, you know, he's not from a traditional tennis background, all this sort of stuff. Like he's like, you'd think he's like, he was like Oliver, the way you listen to him, right? So his mother was like Malaysian royal family. He didn't like grow up in the ghetto, right? For a yeah, kick-off. yeah. He would have had a fairly affluent upbringing anyway, right? Yeah. He then plays tennis. Yeah, he's close to his family, like a lot of people are. You know, that's, you know, I don't think he's any closer to his family than any of us are to our families. He, he, he likes hanging out with his mates. Yeah, we all like doing that. Yeah. The whole documentary, they, they have to change tack because surprise, surprise, he's in the, he's in the Aussie uh, Open, which is one of the, the four majors, and he goes out early doors because he's not very good. Right? Yeah. So, that, so that they then changed the focus of the documentary then to, to, the, to the doubles with his, him and his doubles partner, which he wins. Yes. But they try to big it up then as if doubles is the big thing. They keep calling it <laughs> team tennis. I thought, fuck off, mate. Team tennis. You, like that. you couldn't name, you know, I, I, I could name you 40 singles champions. Yes. I couldn't name you three doubles partners, I don't think, in tennis. I, I, I'm, I'm not your typical tennis fan. So I'm no, more no, of a, but Wood, Woodford Woodbridge, those guys, the Woodies. They're the ones yeah. who I remember from doubles. And the other ones, I guess, 
John McEnroe's brother Patrick was good at doubles, but apart from that, Andy and his brother, you do, you're struggling. Andy Mother's Andy Murray's brother as well, because doubles isn't tennis, right? Tennis is that woman against that woman, that bloke against that bloke. Right? Doubles tennis is, is a, <laughs> but doubles tennis is another thing, isn't it? You you can't have a documentary yeah. about about the great tennis players. They kept saying like like he's some sort of young and upcoming. He's 28. Fucking yeah. Boris Becker won Wimbledon at 17. If you told me it was a yeah. documentary about doubles. I wouldn't watch a documentary about doubles, though. No, would you fuck? No. No, because I it's... fuck. No, you're right. <laughs> no. No. So they're not going to try and change it, and they're trying to big it up about, ten, you know, the greatest tennis. This would be the most uh, the, the most anticipated doubles. And I kept saying, I was watching with Ben, and every time he mentioned, after they decided to focus purely on doubles, right, every time he said champion, I'd say doubles. You know, <laughs> d- doubles. One of the greatest tennis doubles players in the world, you know. Ben, so why are you saying that for, Dan? I think he's a knob, Ben. Because I'm being a cockson. So I think he's a knob, Ben. That's why. I think he's a knob. Had you had a grenade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I hadn't, thankfully. Otherwise, I'd have fucking smashed the telly. And smashing the calorie deficit. You mentioned Pete Townsend. It's fine with Pete Townsend, does it? That was his thing. Kyrgios, if you're smashing rackets up now, you're a dick because that's being done to death, right? Stop smashing up rackets. Do something else for your life. I don't think he's doing it to uh, create a brand. I think he's doing it because he's frustrated. Tough guy with his fucking Lakers hat on and thinking he's a fucking... You play tennis, mate. Let's not forget that salient point, right? Bad boy. (laughs) You play tennis, right? You hit a fucking little ball over a net against some other people who hit balls over a net. Yeah, but you could do that with any sport. No, you couldn't because in football, you're getting fucking two-footed challenges coming into you. Yeah, but you've you've got a metal stick and you're trying to get a small bowl in a slightly bigger hole that's golf yeah but yeah but and who's the bad boy of golf i don't know you know what i mean I don't, who is the bad boy of golf there isn't one really but john daly he likes he likes a drink okay you know you don't if you went around like smashing up golf clubs and and you know you'd get just get kicked off the way he speaks to umpires I thought, yeah you could, it's always a mark of a person right and i used to i've sworn at referees and umpires enough times right yeah i'm uh, Fascinated by your uh, slant on this, bearing in mind how you used to talk chat to referees. Yeah, but your true personality would come up when you're losing, right? I, I get incensed in games that we were winning. If I if I sensed an injustice or something went wrong, you know, I was never like laughing, joking, fist bumping, chest bumping, uh, playing up to the crowd, having a great time. And then we're losing, and then I become a cunt, right? Yeah, yeah, because that's a wanker's trick. The bit when when he's turning around, and obviously we're swearing in this because I'm getting a bit incensed about this now. When he tells people to fuck off. You smash your computer. You've already knocked your light over three times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in anger. But go on. When he tells people to fuck off because they're making a noise when he's serving. Grow up, mate. You can't talk to the camera about what a great Aussie crowd it is now that, you know, you're bringing some of the tennis and no one else does and you've got these rowdy people and you're not, you're not the straight-laced fans that you know, the other tennis players yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as it doesn't suit you, you're like, keep the fucking noise down when I'm serving, mate. <laughs> fuck off, mate. It's, Which one do you it, want? Yeah, it is interesting that that's the etiquette within like snooker and tennis. We spoke about it before, but you should be able to, quiet please, you should be able to handle doing your sport with a roar. Come on, Nick. Than... Or don't, or don't yeah. regale us with the fact that your fans are different because they're loud. And then when yes. they're loud, when it doesn't suit you or you're losing because the other person's better than you, Yes. you then start swearing at them and call them all sorts, right? So I don't have any problem at all with his on-court behaviour because I don't care. Mm. I couldn't go, you do what you do what you like. Get as angry as you like. Who is it benefiting? Certainly not you. I have a problem with the fact that 
he admitted assaulting his ex-girlfriend. I have a yes. big problem with that. And I think he's a cunt because of that. I didn't know that until uh, this yeah. morning, actually. Yeah. yeah, I think he's a massive cunt for that. Yeah. But watching it as a documentary, it's really well pulled together. It's really well produced. And it will probably... Th- that's not discussed in the documentary. No, no it's not, not discussed at all, which is interesting. There's no doubt at all that it's a, it's a real fishbowl existence. I get that. You know, the role of the time, you're under a lot of scrutiny. It's tough when you're... You come on the scene at 19 years of age and you beat one of the best players who ever lived and suddenly you beat, you're, you're sort of catapulted into, into maybe somebody you weren't expecting. I get all that bit, right? Yeah. And you can go off the rails. But it's too much. I The, the one I felt most sorry for was his doubles partner because they're winning. And for his doubles partner, that's his big thing, obviously. This is yeah. his, this is his pay yeah. game, right? When you let him down, yes, because you're throwing your toys out of the pram. Yes, you know if that was if I was playing with a mate of mine and he was doing yeah. that, I'd say fuck. What are you doing? Fucking switch on. It must be uh, so difficult to think that you're going to lose the biggest game of your life because your mate has got a temper. Because he's having a tantrum and he's 28 years yeah. of age. He's not a kid. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the difference. So people, well, there are a few differences saliently winning, but the the, the difference between. His character and McEnroe. Oh, McEnroe's you know, brilliant. But yeah, it's a winning being one part of it. But you look at McEnroe's sort of team record and he won the Davis Cup five times. Yeah. So yeah. it's not uh, doubles tournaments. Again, won Wimbledon, US Open. So he, he never let down his partner by being the knob. He let himself down a lot. I think he would, I don't know. I haven't watched yeah. the documentary on McEnroe yet, but we should. I think he let himself down. But he was able to win team shit. That's a good point. There's a huge difference between letting yourself down and letting your team down. I he's so. letting his best mate down. At the that's why I felt so well, that, sorry That's why I found really... Because I liked that dynamic and that story. Because yeah, that's the most human you see Kyrgios being. Is when he's with... What's the guy's... I can't remember his surname. The Special Ks. Yes. Uh, Costa... Kokonakis? Uh, yes. Kokonakis, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Those two together, when they're talking, they're doing the interview, sat down together, and he puts the clapperboard down too quickly, and they make a premature ejaculation joke. I'm in. Well done. Mm. Yeah, it's good. it's like Mike's point. You know, he'll win a big point, or he'll serve an ace or whatever, and then he'll go to the camera and he'll be like, that's what I do. That's what I do. I'm different. I'm different. This is the diff. We play diff, man. Oh, the diff. And then oh, someone sorry. says... Come on, Nick. And he goes, will you get that guy to shut the fuck up? <laughs> Which one do you want? Mate? Which one do you want? <laughs> this is new tennis. Could you all be quiet, please? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying yeah. to hit a ball here. And I think his fans are different. Like, it's not like that at Wimbledon. It's more like yeah. a football crowd. They're sort of on the pitch and they've got flags. and. Which is great. If, that's what, if, if that was tennis, I'd be more up for that. I've never got why a snooker player needs you know, complete silence. But if I'm trying to hit a treble 20, which is a smaller target, do, darts, do, 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 do. the place yeah, is going yeah. nuts. Yeah. You're, you're focused or you're not focused. If you can't serve without the same, without some, you know, someone shouts out that ruins your game. Yeah. That's bullshit, that is. No, yeah. I just, um, I felt sorry for his partner, his doubles partner. Yeah. Then it, I mean, I, I, this is this is an age thing. Well, so he's got his girlfriend there, who is a uh, an interior designer and TikTok influencer. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> I've said about that particular subject. Right? It's fine. Yeah. Interior designer. Right. Yeah. Buying stuff doesn't is not doesn't make you an interior designer. What does? I don't know. 
being on DIY SOS. I like to think she spent like two or three years at some sort of design college and looking at stuff. Okay. And I've never looked at Lawrence and... Llewellyn Bowen's qualifications. I don't know. I took it on trust. Yeah. One look at him and immediately thought, I trust you. Yeah, I went, fuck yes. You're an interior designer. I don't want to, I don't want you to interior design anything near me. But you're an interior designer. I mean, don't get, I'm sure he couldn't give a fuck what I think, and he'll never hear about it because he's got twelve million dollars in the bank and he's he's flying around the world in a private jet. So it's not, it's no skill off of Kyrgios's nose what I think of him. But I just I don't begrudge people money. I don't begrudge people having a tantrum. I don't, I don't begrudge people lots of stuff. But when you are a prick to your mates and you let yeah. them down, yeah. you got a problem with that. If you're, you know, that's the shit. I I didn't mention the shit with the domestic things. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I, I knew I knew the sort of headlines. That's about it. Yeah, you know, but that's a wanker yeah, trick as well. That passed me by. I didn't know about that. But for him, I just you're not a bad boy, mate. You know what I mean? If you're playing safety in the NFL, or if you're playing in the NHL, or if you're a hockey goalie, yeah. or if if you're playing, you know, back row in, in a rugby team, whatever you might be, right? You can be a you can be the bad. The bad person in those sports, be yes. a tough guy or the enforcer, or the, the, you can't do it in tennis, mate. You can't do it in tennis. Yeah, I, I, well, I don't know. I, I don't buy the unless you jump over the fence and hit someone with a tennis racket. <laughs> Hard sport. They're physically, very physically demanding. I don't. Think you can, they're incredibly fit. Demanding, physically demanding. Yes, very physically demanding. I don't. Think, I don't. I don't think they're as fit as a lot of other sports people. Oh, I don't know. Playing tennis for five hours. Yeah. You know, you, I, th- I think there's a lot of fitter sports people than tennis players. I think the reinventing shots is innovative, but I can't see anything he's doing that Michael Chang didn't do. Exactly, yeah. mate. That's what I mean. Smash so the I, I don't and playing the ball between your legs. It's not new. Yeah. That, that's that's the bit I have a problem with. Is he's, he's being painted within the documentary. I, I understand. You can that. see Roddick think. Is it Roddick that's in there? Yes. I think Roddick thinks he's a real knob. <laughs> I'm reading between the lines. If I can read his facial expression, well, I think you think he's a knob. <laughs> I don't care about hair. You know, when Agassiz came along, do you remember when Agassiz came along and it, we had the, you had the long hair and yeah. the multicolored stuff, and Wimbledon wouldn't let him play because you had to be dressed in white so he didn't play Wimbledon for years or a couple of years, and then he, when he finally came to Wimbledon, he had this really loud tracksuit on, and when he unzipped it, he was immaculate, all in white, white shirt, white shorts, yeah. white. That was a lovely bit of theatre, that was. And he could be a bad boy. McEnroe, Lendl could be a bad boy. Murray can shout up scream at people. You know, Serena Williams does that all the time. It's fine. You can do all that stuff. I don't mind that. You're not the, you're not one of the best players in the world, mate. You're nowhere near one of the best players in the world. No. You're 114th when they made this. And him saying, I, I can be the best players in the world on my day. Well, mate, to be the best, your day's got to be all the time. Yeah, you've got to have more days. We can all say that. It's interesting um, how he doesn't seem that fussed by tennis. No. He's like... So, so now, you know, Marie or Fedra, they really, really pick and choose their tournaments because they physically can't keep playing because it's just too hard on the body. So they're like, all right. I think the very best, mate, love the game. They're like, all right, I'll do Wimbledon, but I'm not going to, I won't do the US Open or I won't do Roland Garros. So I'm going to save myself for the, I don't know what, just Wimbledon, maybe the Australia, whatever. But he just doesn't seem that fussed. It's just something that he's good at. Mm. And he is obviously good at it. And if you read about him, you know, a lot of t- tennis players say in terms of natural talent and talent for the game and ability, he's that one means, of the best in the world. But that means so little. Well, yeah. At the top course. level. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. all the talent in the world. We, 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 you know, it's, top level sport is dedication. 
right? It's committing to something. Yes. It isn't taking four months off. It isn't flipping, throwing toys at the pram when you lose a point and slagging people out. It's, it's like, if I pick my best hole ever on Brill Golf Course for each hole, right? My, yeah. my lowest score ever on the first, my lowest score ever on the second. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's called an eclectic. So in the winter, you might play in what they call an eclectic, where every every time you play every week, you record your best score. So say I have a three on, on a par four. That becomes my, my low score for that hole. At the end of the winter, you would work out what your lowest score is. So your lowest score in each of those holes, right? On the, right. an eclectic scorecard, I could beat Tiger Woods on Burn Hill because I could go around there in about 20 under par because I've, I've birdied every hole and I've had, I've, had a, I've had a couple of eagles, right? The point is that I couldn't do that because that's a very rare occurrence. Tiger Woods could go around in 15 under, but every day. Yeah, yeah. So and on be, his day, he would go out good round. Oh, he'd smash it with an even better record, but even better score. So to say, I know he's beaten Federer, and I know he's beaten Nadal, but very rarely. So he wouldn't have come up with this documentary. Is a bit of mitigation for him. So Netflix will have gone to ATP. Mm. And they will have said, we want to, you know, in the way, take them to the drive to survive model. Yeah. And gone, look at what this has done for F1. Do you guys want to get involved in this? ATP will have said yes. Then they will have worked out players who've got character arcs that make you have this response. Yeah. So some that make you happy, some that make you sad, some that make you go, fucking hell, he's good at tennis. <laughs> if the first one is fucking hell, he's good at tennis, you're not watching the rest of them. Okay. So... The knob being the first one that you watch, <laughs> or the character. They could have called Oh, no. If I'm ever in a documentary oh. series on the first one up, I'd be devastated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than the maverick, if you just called it the dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of more. But as a result of that, probably 80% of people will then watch the next well, one. Well, I will. For us, for it's worked, right? I will watch the series. And you might watch tennis. It's a very well made documentary. Yeah. So the, with the rugby one that they're filming during this Six Nations, they will have gone to the Six Nations as a competition. Slightly different because they don't employ all the players. Such a pity that James Haskell's retired, isn't it? <laughs> episode one, James, you're in. Come on, mate. Good news, James. <laughs> Good news, Haskell. You've got your own episode. Step away from the decks. You're in the first episode. <laughs> Actually, let's use the decks, man. This is really good, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yes, Richard Madley. Get Madley in. Richard Madley can come, Richard. yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Bring Richard and Judy, yeah. It'd be great. It'd be fine. It'd be really good for you. Good for your image. <laughs> but they'll have gone to the unions then separately and gone, right, Welsh Rugby Union... Yeah. We want to film with, I can't remember who they filmed with, but they came with a list of four or five players okay. who they wanted to do narratives on. I think it's sort of the younger lads, so I think it was Chunza. I think I'm right in saying that Zamet was one of them cool. as well because they've got good character arcs that will work. So those players won't have individually decided on this doc. So I think there's a bit of mitigation for Kyrgios. What's interesting then is the ATP agree into a documentary that paints their sport as having a dickhead within it. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is fascinating. But I don't think tennis comes out yeah. badly out of it. It's a, it's a dickhead facilitator. It's, well, that's what's interesting, is they're allowing the dickhead part of it 
to be part of their promotion. If he's had any sort of say in the editorial process of this, I'd be amazed. Because, I mean... He, I can't imagine he will. He doesn't come off well at all. No. At the beginning, he's like, Netflix series, baby. Yeah. I was like, okay. Oh, you're You not. look bad. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix series, which you look fucking bad in. <laughs> Let's go, guys. And obviously, you can play... You better tennis player than you, mate. Yes, yes, he is. Because I'm a fat 50-year-old who lives in Wales who doesn't play tennis. No one's disputing that, right? <laughs> well done, mate. I, I, I struggle to make the top seven billion tennis players in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really interesting to see, wouldn't it? What a demoralising ranking that would be. Where you seven would, billion. Where <laughs> would you seven land? Billion. You are the worst tennis player on earth. That'd be great, wouldn't it? If you there wouldn't be many worse players than me for somebody. <laughs> I'm terrible at tennis, absolutely awful at it, and I'm quite a coordinated bloke. We talked about Jimmy Carrigan the other day and yeah. Neville. You know, I got good hand-eye coordination. I can turn my hand to a lot of sports. I'm, I got decent strength and flexibility. I'm, okay, I'm, obviously, I'm fat at the moment. I'm out of shape, but my tennis is even worse than you think it would be. <laughs> <laughs> It's worse than it could be. When was the last time you played? Because like, no. I don't play. I did tennis in university, and I right. just couldn't wrap my head around it. What you were coached? Yeah, you do it like you, you do. Well, I don't know if it's the same now, but when we did our course, we did like blocks and various sports. Okay, yeah. You get certificates, and if you, if you get to a certain level of proficiency in different stuff, so I got like squash, baseball, cricket, weight training, football, uh, rugby union, athletics, lots of stuff. Right, tennis, nowhere near. So I'm terrible at tennis. I, yeah. Well, so you just couldn't get the ball over the net. I can if if you and I play in a, go to a local park with a ball, you know, a racket each. I can have a little rally back and forth, four and a back end over a net. I can't serve over arm. Yeah, I'm crap at serving. I've never been taught how to do it though. I'm well, I have. I can't impart any sort of spin on the ball. I can't. It tends to go in a a skyward trajectory if I hit the ball. This I need to see. Yeah. <laughs> not, I can't imagine you being shit at tennis. Yeah, I'm terrible at tennis. Decent yeah, squash. For years and years. Really? I've never played squash. I've never picked up a racket. Well, squash is good fun. I like squash. I'm crap at all of those. I'm crap at badminton, but I enjoy it. I don't think I have hand-eye. Because I, I, okay. I, can, I can have a game of badminton and I'll get run ragged because I'll be in the wrong place, but I enjoy it. No, I can't. I don't enjoy it at I all. I played badminton once and found it, found it embarrassingly difficult. This is, right, so I was much more able to play tennis. Than badminton. Badminton's good if you've got two bad players because you'll run around a lot. But I find badminton embarrassing. You're right. I, th- I think that there is something, the flimsiness of the racket combined with the shuttlecock mm. and missing. I, yeah, I yeah. cannot read yeah, that shot. fucking shuttlecock. I can't see what it's going to do. I can't hit it. No. I, tennis, I'm all right. There's a big oh, I can't do tennis. tennis ball flying past me from someone's surface. I can it. read how Comfort. a ball is coming at me. A tennis ball, unless it's going too fast, in which case, well, you know. But I don't feel embarrassed fun. by that. No, no, no. A shuttlecock and a badminton racket makes me feel like a knob. <laughs> it's like you can't predict how a rugby ball is going to bounce because of, of its shape, whereas you can predict how a football is going to bounce. Shuttlecock drives me mad. Yeah, I genuinely feel almost humiliated when I'm playing Yes, badminton. that was my experience. And yeah. I said never again. I used to play badminton every week, but at a poor level. It was always a thing we did. Yeah, my old man played badminton every week. Really? Because it feels like a swingers thing rather than a, <laughs> rather than a sport. Yeah, I was fucking my mate's mother at the time. <laughs> okay, it's fine. <laughs> I feel like such a twat playing badminton. I don't believe people who say they play badminton every week. Squash, because it's a ball, 
I reckon I reckon I, I could give that a go. So Talagan, which is on near Ponaclean, yeah, was like a miners' rehab centre back in the day, years and years and years ago. Yeah. Then it became part of East Glam Hospital, and there was like a rehab okay. unit there. So my mate's mother was an occupational therapist. There were physios down there. There was a really heated pool for for rehab work. You weren't fucking your mate's mum, were you? No, not really. No, but <laughs> no, okay, go, go. Fine, I was playing badminton. Like the story's going now. <laughs> so we used to go there every week as kids, like fifteen, yeah. and it was lovely because we we would go to Talagan. We do weights. There was a proper weights room there. Yeah, I mean, always have a game of badminton. It's like this big old bloody. It looked haunted. This bloody old manor house, you know. Then we'd have a game of yeah. badminton. Then we'd go down to the. I think it was the pub in Bryn Saddler. And lovely. Imagine being 15, 16 with your mate's parents, having a pint, having a sneaky pint. Lovely. Yeah, There's always yeah. a folk band playing. But no one was a good badminton player, so it was good fun. But when you play against someone who's good, at, if I play Gail Ems, it would be zero fun because she would move yeah. off the tee and I'd be running around like an idiot trying to get the, and I, and I wouldn't get to the shuttlecock. But if you've got two people who are, who are similarly bad at it, it's good fun. Same with squash. So mate of mine, I just met down at the gym the other day, um, one of the rugby dads, Pete, a cricketer, I should say. Okay. He said, do you want a game of squash? I said, I love a game of squash. He said, I warn you, mate, I'm not very good. I said, well, I'm crap. I said, well, that'd be great. Because if we're both bad at squash, we'll yes. get rallies going. And it'd be fun. He'd be moving around the place. If I play or the, there'll be no rallies. If I play, yeah. Well, no, but you, if you play someone good at squash, they'll, oh, it's they'll drop that ball awful. in the corner. And you'll, you'll never get a shot, ever. You won't play... You won't want a point. We used to have a squash league at the BBC and playing, a, you know, we had a ladder. So you play whoever's directly above you or directly below yeah. you. I, I quickly descended that ladder. Um, <laughs> Took all the rungs out. Absolutely. Oh, straight down. It's like snakes and ladders. So I, was, I was hitting snakes left, right and centre. Um, Sean Fletcher, who presents Songs of Praise sometimes, yeah. is fucking brilliant is at squash. Is he? Uh, like, brilliant. Perfectly. And... We played one game and it was so pointless because oh. he could serve it towards the wall of my back and I just couldn't do anything. Yeah. So it was absolutely futile. He didn't get a sweat. I didn't get a touch. It was fucking yeah. pointless. Yeah, yeah. With racket sports, you've got to be two people that are similarly skilled, otherwise it's, it's utterly pointless. Yes. Or similarly unskilled. But tennis, I, I am I would be on the bottom of that ladder. I just couldn't get the ball back. But if if you're playing against somebody that can play and you can't play, it is, it is no fun. You won't, you won't, you won't touch a ball or the shot cut. You know, it'll be zero fun. Right, it's my book choice for this week. And I said earlier, this might be one for you, Mike. It's called More Fuel You. It is about eating. And it is about fueling athletic performances by Rennie McGregor. And I've always fueled my races really well when I've done sort of triathlons or marathons and stuff like that. But I've never fueled my training particularly well. So all the stuff that you do building up to a marathon, why aren't I doing that for a 20-mile run? Why aren't I? Do you know what I mean? So the, the, the certainly most, why aren't I recovering in the same way that I yeah. should be. So it goes through a lot of what your body needs, what your body doesn't need, goes through a lot of the faddy stuff. Because I've noticed, you know, having a kid in high school now, there's a lot more pressure, I've noticed, on eating healthier snacks, on eating protein-related things. That seems to be the new thing. Oh, Ben Ben takes to school now. He takes 
tuna and cucumber sandwiches, protein bars, fruit. Yes. Yeah, it's really it's a really interesting and sometimes yeah. worrying thing that I see around. And Just lads want to be strong and want to... A, a lot of it is. Is that because they play in sport? Yeah. A lot of it's lifestyle-based. Mm. A lot of it's physique-based. And you're a small step from yeah. that to something that worries me. Because I'm obviously overweight. And Kelly says to me, don't, don't go on about it with yeah, the kids. Yeah, yeah. Don't go on about eating all the time and what you eat and yeah. what you shouldn't be and what you should be. So this book kind of goes through a lot of how your body needs fat, how your body needs carbohydrates, how your body needs protein. Um, you know, if you eat a shitload of protein, your body can't actually digest all of that, how you need certain things to make your gut be able to mm-hmm. digest stuff as well. So you can get rid of a load of calories, but if you're then starving your body to the point where you mess up your uh, metabolism, then it's counterproductive as well. So that first bit of weight loss being sort of glycogen stores rather than losing weight properly, it's just, okay. it's, it's really interesting. And there are chapters in there about sort of low-carb diets, about vegan plant-based diets, about the sort of fasting stuff, the intermittent fasting, and how that works with then being able to do either strength training or distance training. Okay. It's just really interesting. It's a, it's a really interesting read. You could take all of these things, you take yeah. as much from them as you want, and you leave as much, you know, out there as you want as well. Because I don't think, and it's, it's, there's a lot of scientific research that she uses, and there's a lot of stuff that I immediately listened to when I was listening to it. I just went, that's ah, not for me. And all of yeah, these yeah, things of are like that, aren't they? You can't sort of read a book and go, oh, that's what I'm going to fucking do from now on. I'm going to eat that. Yeah. Purely spaghetti. Because it's a spaghetti-only diet. That's that quite nice. So. And a tinned spaghetti, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, it does. I fucking love a Heinz tinned spaghetti. Get, get, get some of the tinned hamburgers in there as well. I'm fucking there. Yeah, no more than al dente bollocks. Oh, none of that shit. No, no, I want it squidgy <laughs> as fuck. If I can eat this through a sieve, I'm interested. If it doesn't resemble worms. <laughs> squidgy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have no interest in this at all. But yeah, so, so going through that and working out, oh, okay. I didn't train that well there because I just had a bagel that day and fuck all else. And sort of being more on top. So I, you know, I'm just trying to eat shit loads more. It's a great excuse to eat loads more. I love it. You do loads, you you burn loads as well. But that's the thing, isn't it? And then the the bits where you're grumpy then in the day, all you've done is fueled your training session. You haven't fueled real life. You haven't factored in the calories that your brain is burning because your brain works on carbs. Yeah. Okay. On the glycogen rather than on anything else. Does it? So the moody, yeah, which I didn't realize. So that your brain dips into the glycogen stores rather than anything else. And forgive me if this science doesn't land, okay, because I'm you know, working secondhand. So you're telling me it's a slice of toast before university challenge? Yeah, if you could do the slice of toast before uni challenge, it wouldn't affect your weight and you'd nail it. There you go. So it's called More Fuel You. Uh, it's by Renny McGregor. Feel free to disregard it as absolute cod science if you wish. Feel free to take on board as much as you like. Thank you for listening to this week's Socially Distanced Sports Bar. There will be another episode for you on Wednesday. Okay, part one of next week's episode will land with you on Wednesday. We will see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.